Gospel Message Week 90 New Faces I recently watched a documentary about a movie. I'm not sure if the movie has come out or if it's still being made, but the storyline of the movie was about a man who was a hate monger, a white supremacist to be exact. And this man was widely known wherever it was that he lived for his acts of violence, his hateful speech, and he was very, very proud of his reputation as a hate monger, and he, he relished in it. He made no effort to hide it. He was feared. He recruited and indoctrinated others into the hateful lifestyle. I'm sure the same way he was recruited and indoctrinated into it also. But he had pretty much done that his entire life. And it was all he knew. And he had no desire to seize and desist from it. And what made it all the more interesting was that he was covered in tattoos. And the story was that Every tattoo, or at least most of the tattoos that he had, he got after committing an act of violence or after... They, they were all associated with his lifestyle of hate, pretty much. So his covering from his hairline all the way down to his ankles was covered in tattoos. And all the tattoos were a symbolism of his hatred and his lifestyle of hatred. His wife happened to, I guess, just get tired of it and have this fear for her husband and her love for him prompted her to seek help in order to help him hopefully come out of this lifestyle of hate. And what she did was that she reached out to a man who was part of a group and this group, they were also well known for taking on these hate mongers and, you know, battling them toe to toe. But they had a dual purpose. The leader of this group was a black man. And what he did was that if there was anyone who was part of a, a group of either hate or a, a gang or something like that, what he did was offer help in order to assist them in getting out of that lifestyle. For those who absolutely wanted to get out, he helped them. He became a friend and mentor to them, and he helped them get out of that lifestyle of hate. So this white supremacist wife reached out to this man, and the man did indeed make contact with him. And through a gradual process, they started to work together. And bit by bit, Piece by piece, this man whose lifestyle had been one totally entrenched in hatred and violence started to turn around. He started to have his life transformed where he, he changed. He changed. He was totally transformed. But the, the new obstacle that he faced now was that he was covered in all of these tattoos. And all of these tattoos were a symbolism of his lifestyle of hatred. So this brave man, and I'll call him brave, embarked upon the task of having these tattoos removed. And what I have heard is that it is way more painful to remove a tattoo than it is to actually have it put on. 
but he took it upon himself and embarked on the task of having all of these tattoos removed one by one. It was an excruciating experience for him, but he was determined to do it. And it's my understanding from that over the past 10 years, he's been removing them. He's had a lot of them removed. I believe there are a few that remain, but a lot of them have been removed. Now, one can say, well, if he was transformed, you know, okay, as long as he's changed, what difference does it make whether he has the tattoos or not? As long as he knows he's a different person, that should suffice. I believe it, it was necessary, and I'm, and I'm pretty sure he believed it also, because again, we have to look at the origin of these tattoos. They, they stemmed from hate. They stemmed from a life that was entrenched in hate. So this hate had become his identity. It was his calling card. Anyone who saw him, who looked upon his face, saw these tattoos and knew what they were associated with. And since that was no longer the lifestyle that he was associated with, it was imperative to him that he have a new face, that these tattoos not be on him any longer. He knew what it was going to cost him to have them taken off. And he signed up for it because it was part of his transformation. As the inward transformation was already happening, it became imperative that he have a new face to also go with the new life. And I was, I was, I was moved when I watched this documentary. And it got me thinking about this Christianity that we practice, especially when we call ourselves born-again Christians. The whole essence of being born again is that we have passed from one lifestyle into another. We have passed from our life, our old life, into a new life, the life of Christ. So it is no longer I who live, according to Galatians 2.20, but Christ who lives in me. And this life I live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who died and gave his life for me. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 also reads uh, from verse 15, and that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. And verse 17 of that same chapter, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. So the question we have to ask ourselves is, if I am really born again, if my life is a transformed life, if I have come into the understanding that the way I am doing things is not the way and I surrender my life to Christ, is it evident in my face? And we'll use face figuratively here only because it directly relates to the story that I told. When the man changed his life, he embarked upon the task of taking off the tattoos, starting with the ones on his face. He had to have a new face that was void of the marks of his old life. 
So for we who are born again Christians, if we understand what being born again means, do our faces bear the marks of our old life or do we have new faces? And before you answer that question, because a lot of times when we Christians talk about new life, we instantly run to the things that we do. Okay, I'm going to stop doing this. I'm going to stop doing that. And we make all these resolutions and we make them in the zeal of the moment. Everything that's going on, we're having a a Holy Ghost moment, a spiritual impartation, and we're, 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 we're souped up, we're juiced up, and we, we make a lot of these resolutions in zeal, and there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. But then over time, you know, we find that, you know what, we really haven't changed that much after all. We are still continuing in the same life that we were continuing in before, if not 100%, well, sometimes maybe 75% or maybe 50, but there are traces of the old life that are still very, very evident. And so if the goal is to have a new life, then of course that goes with having a new face that matches that new life. So that when we are looked upon, they don't see that old tatted up person from the old life. There is this person that is of the new life. In Psalm 34 verse five, it says, they looked unto him and were lightened and their faces were not ashamed. Many of us as Christians believe that it is God's will for us to come up to the standard of the law when we become born again. And what that means is that we resort to rules and regulations. And, and the reference point for that is if we look back on when the early Christian converts, they, they converted, some of them converted from Judaism to Christianity, meaning they received Christ and were baptized and they received the Holy Ghost. Yet they still believed that they had to adhere to some of the Jewish rites and practices like circumcision. You know, they believed they had to continue and they were even preaching that to new converts. And so people who they were also trying to convert to Christianity, they were trying to tell them that, well, they needed to be circumcised in order to do that. And of course, Paul, the apostle Paul was admonishing them saying, no, this new life is a life of faith in Christ Jesus. You no longer have to believe that it is the practice of the law that saves you because Christ himself is the fulfillment of the law. And what that means is that when we receive Christ, Christ is a force unto himself. He is God personified. And then again, God, the Holy Spirit that comes down and dwells within us. This internal transformation, if we surrender to it, to the full process of it, it will naturally start to chisel 
away at the old life. And we find out that a lot of the things that we were engaging in before, by virtue of that old life, we want no part of those things anymore. And that is very the internal transformation that leads to an outward manifestation is very different from just diving into the outwards. Don't do this. Don't do this. Don't do that. That doesn't last because it is built from a momentary zeal of the excitement of the moment. But unless that transformation happens, that new faith, we will never be motivated to have a new face. The new face is the outward life, but that outward life is as a result of an internal transformation that has happened. When that internal transformation happens, and it happens only by surrender, when we surrender ourselves to the Christ Jesus, who is the only one who can perfectly do in us what is the will of the Father to do in us. So when we transform, when we are transformed by the Holy Spirit, the life of Christ in the person of the Holy Spirit, the new face starts to come about. We don't even want that old face. That old face cannot even be there because now we will go through the painstaking process of severing every single tie that we have with that old life. And the beauty of it that is that it is prompted by what is going on within us. So it is no longer I who live. It is not even my effort. I am simply yielding to the movement of the spirit within me that wants no part of these things that I was completely entrenched in before. So the question we have to ask ourselves is, do we have a new face? Is there a new face to match the new life? Because if it is still the old face, then most likely it's still the old life. And the only way we can receive this new life is to surrender to the only one who can give us this new life. This surrender comes with the conscious receiving Christ Jesus, acknowledging that this life, even on my best day, as long as I'm doing it by, own, by my own effort, it is still not of Christ. Jesus Christ is the benchmark for everything that is the new life. And what we Christians have to be very, very conscious of, because it is literal, it is factual, and it is accessible in that, look at the life of Christ. He was persecuted by the religious people, by the scribes and Pharisees. Why? because his outward was not the same as their outward. What he was doing was different from the way that they were doing it. And they persecuted, for him, they persecuted him for it to the point that they killed him. But what was the truth? He was doing the will of the Father. And he was doing the will of the Father perfectly. He wasn't going by their outward appearance, his face, his outward appearance was as a direct result of obedience and submission to the will of God. His acts, his gestures, his persona, his life, 
His face was a complete and direct result of total submission to the will of the Father. And we know by virtue of our faith that he did it perfectly. So if we want to do it perfectly, as the Bible says, be ye perfect, even as your Father in heaven is perfect. If we want to do it perfectly, why do we resort to our calculations? Why do we resort to our strategies? Why do we resort to our thinking, knowing that it's flawed, knowing that it can never be perfect? The only one who can perfect us is the one who is perfect, and that is Christ Jesus. And he does this by his life in the person of the Holy Spirit that he sends down to dwell in us, to do a work in us. And as that work is being done in us, it now causes us to have those tattoos of our old life, those tattoos of our past commitments, our past passions, our past everything, even when we were doing them, we believed that they were good. We will have those things removed because they do not reflect the new life. The new life will generate a new face. And the only one who can give us that new life is Jesus Christ himself. And the only way Jesus can start to work that new life within us is for us to acknowledge, no matter how good we think we are, Christ Jesus, I surrender to you. I want you to give me that new life. I want you to work that new life in me so that it now works out of me and it becomes evident by the new face that will reflect the new life. Only Jesus can do this, but Jesus can only do it if and when we surrender and we stay committed to that surrender in helplessness. When I say helplessness, I mean dependence on him, leaning not on my own wisdom and not on my own understanding, but leaning on the ignorance that I don't know how he's going to do it, but I am handing it over for him to do because I know that he's the only one who can do it perfectly. He is the life and his life in me will generate a new face. So brethren, if we want the scars, the marks, the branding, the tattoos, the symbolism of our old life to be removed, to be gone, to be done with, and we want a new face, then we have to surrender to him who can give us a new life. And he will do it. And his work in us will produce a new face that matches the new life. This is his will for us. It has to be our will for ourselves. And if our will is in line with his will, then he will do it because that is the Father's will. And may we continue to grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.